We need a leader, a president like Joe Biden. I also know a lot about Joe, the person. Um, I've seen him up close and personal now for many years. Uh, we have a lot of the same values in common, the kind of compassion and caring that we need from our president and which Joe Biden has been exemplifying throughout his entire life. Is Not a the, joke. Is it a coincidence that Hillary Clinton came out with her video talking about Joe Biden's character the day the accusations about the uh, the sexual incident were at their hottest? Is that a coincidence, do you think? Mm. The timing is a little odd. Well, she's, the, she's the last person I would pick if I were going to. Uh, she never seems to be helping nearly as much as he thinks she is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Her and James Comey have that in common. Stop reminding people why we didn't vote for you in the first place. Well, and what's what's funny is you know she's been making the rounds, doing interviews and speeches and whatever uh, before the uh, the Chinese bat fever hit, uh, and she just seems like a fairly normal person, smart lady, you know, reasonably down to earth. The rest of it, uh, you know, I I don't like her or nor her uh, her policies, but she seems like a normal human being. Then the moment she switches back into politics mode, she sounds like a damned robot. Yeah, play the clip we played earlier from the beginning of it, because this is where, I mean, this is the Hillary that that lost in 2016, sounding like this. Welcome, Hillary. It's great to have you here. Uh, this first part is Joe Biden. That's not Hillary. I wanted to <laughs> just make sure people weren't confused. Thank you. Welcome, Hillary. It's great to have you here. Thank you sounds so like much, it. Joe. It's a real pleasure to be here with you. I am thrilled to be part of okay, your that's good. campaign. None of those to... words. Oh my God! None of those words or emphases or <laughs> the tones were normal speech. None of those. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. I am pleased to be well, here. Uh, and and it was so utterly inauthentic in meaning too. So it was robotic and and. I am so thrilled to be here. No, you're not. Nobody thinks you are. <laughs> yeah, right. Everybody can tell you're just going through the motions of what you say. Think you're, you're a thirty-foot tall gorilla, if you want. There's no truth to that either. It's, it's, it's a, I am so thrilled to be here. Where are you? But so anyway, it was the worst day yet for Joe Biden and the allegations, the Me Too allegations. I'll read from Tara Reid. Uh, this is uh, the uh, former staffer to Joe Biden who claims uh, he did bad things to her back in 93, and we'll get into the details of that in a second. But this is Tara Reid. I voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. I voted for her in the primary. I'm a lifelong Democrat. But yet, what I see now is someone enabling a sexual predator, and it was my former boss, Joe Biden, who raped me. She uses the R word, full-on raped me. Right. Hillary Clinton has a history of enabling powerful men to cover up their sexual predatory behaviors and their inappropriate sexual misconduct. We don't need that for this country. We don't need that for our new generation coming up that wants institutional rape culture to change. I will not be smeared, dismissed, or ignored. I stand in truth and will keep speaking out. It's a pretty strong statement that she went with on the record yesterday. I would say it is, you know, to address a couple of her points. Number one, yes, Hillary is against sexual assault when it serves her and fine with it when that serves her. Uh, I, you know, Tara Reid, I've read a fair amount about her. I think she's half a crackpot and I disagree with everything she says. But I do appreciate her calling out the incredible hypocrisy of her own party on this stuff. Um, it was pointed out the Washington Post headline yesterday. This is not the sort of headline you had when it was Kavanaugh, for instance, that was being accused. 
Developments and allegations against Biden amplify efforts to question his behavior. <laughs> How do you like that headline? Yes, yes. Who who was it? Uh, was it Byron York who said whoever uh, whoever wrote that headline should get the Pulitzer Prize for creative obfuscation? Read that again. That word salad. Now, if it were you know a, a Republican or it was Kavanaugh when he was trying to become a Supreme Court nominee, you would have had in quotes the statement. Joe Biden raped me would have been your headline with all the details underneath it to put that in everybody's head. But here's the headline. Developments and allegations against Biden amplify efforts to question his behavior. Wow. (sighs) Wow. I've been speaking English since I was a wee lad and I'm too. I'm befuddled by that one. But uh, this gives some more credibility to it. This sort of thing didn't uh, exist with Ms. Blasey Ford. Her friends didn't remember the party or her talking about it or anything. And then. Anybody who claimed to was off the record. But this is someone on the record told Business Insider, her name is on here, it's Linda Lacoste. Uh, She was a neighbor to Tara Reid back in the day. She said to the Business Insider, I can't stand Donald Trump, so I don't want him to win. But this happened, and I know it did, because I remember talking about it. She had told me about this guy, and I didn't really know who Joe Biden was. But she said he had worked for, she had worked for the senator. She said that he had put her up against a wall, and he had put his finger inside her. She was talking about how dirty she felt. I'm personally a Democrat and a very strong Democrat, and I'm for Biden regardless, but I have, still have to come out and say this. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Doesn't mean it happened, but that's stronger evidence than we've had in some recent cases where people were driven from office. Right. Right. Uh, Megan McArdle, who is another person I disagree with uh, rather strongly on uh, a lot of stuff. She's a columnist for The Washington Post. She wrote a uh, an opinion piece that got a much more easily understood headline. On Biden and the Tara Reid allegation, do our normal standards apply? And she says, hard to remember a time when America was able to worry about anything other than the coronavirus, but if you cast your mind back to September 2018, you'll recall that America spent three dramatic weeks weighing accusations that then-Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh had while in his teens assaulted Palo Alto psychologist Christine Blasey Ford. Act 1 of the drama had taken place years before when Bill Clinton was accused of carrying on with a White House intern. Then came Kavanaugh. And for Act 2, nearly everyone reversed their previous position on official sexual misconduct. You may recall hazily how adamantly Democrats insisted that this sort of thing should utterly disqualify a man from higher office. When Republicans confirmed Kavanaugh anyway, the left erupted with incandescent, implacable rage. Even a year later, Slate's legal reporter, Dahlia Lithwick, wrote that she refused to go back to the Supreme Court, that with Kavanaugh on the court, court, quote, none of us as women were ever going to be perfectly safe again. Which just shows you the horse crap they're publishing over at Slate. Oh, my God. For, for 30 years, this guy has been a leading judge, glowing reviews, all the woman clerks he's worked with. every day. So those decades of, of being a perfect gentleman... You still feel unsafe. You're a liar. You're a liar and a nut. But anyway, that's not Megan McArdle's point. Uh, act three, the, um, the, oh, b- b- I'll skip ahead. Uh, act three, the shoe of the accused is back on a Democratic foot. And then she describes the case and oddly says a lot of the older women who worked uh, around her at the time says you had to wear pantyhose to work. So I'm not sure how that worked, but let's not get caught up in that. I thought that was kind of an odd note. Um, then she says, uh, bah, 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 bah. Uh, she gets into some stuff I thought was pretty interesting. It's the stuff you and I were saying during the Kavanaugh thing. One might argue that we should not make political decisions based on accusations this old. 
unless there is credible evidence of a pattern that continued long afterward. Once decades have passed, it becomes impossible to evaluate such accusations fairly because too many memories and records have been lost. The verdict ends up resting too much on one's subjective evaluation of the accuser's credibility, and such evaluations are inevitably colored by one's prior opinion of the conf- of the accused. Rather, um, so you know, I appreciate her at least standing up. And then she says, "I hate Trump," and uh, it's uh, I'd vote for Biden even if he is a rapist to get rid of Trump. So that's, this woman, that's a heck of a statement. I believe her. I'm still voting for Biden. <laughs> I, I'm paraphrasing it, but that's her. That's her point. Um, but I appreciate her at least saying that. The feverish, lunatic, like witch-hunty, just hatred of Kavanaugh based on these decades-old accusations. Well, it wasn't based on that. It was based on they didn't want a conservative in the seat. But, uh, you know, I tip my cap to you, uh, Megan McArdle. What is truthful. What is the limit of the uh, uh, accusations like this, probably? Eight, ten years, something like that? It depends on the act, but something like this, you mean? Yeah. A, uh, a, yeah. a forced groping with penetration? Uh, I don't know. But it's certainly know. not, you know, 30 years. If Kavanaugh or Biden were widely reputed to be that kind of guy up to the present day, it would have a lot more power. Sure, of course. But look, the Joe Biden thing. I just, he was running nobody around. Nobody says that about Biden. No. He's a hair sniffer and a stroker right. and the rest of it. But he was running around D.C. as a high-profile senator, single, as a young man in his thirties. Good-looking man too. And uh, and and these stories aren't out there. Paid extra for the top-quality hair plugs. Yep. It makes a difference. <laughs> I know it does. Never, you never regret buying buying quality, do you, Joe? Uh, so, well, all right. Um, so, so, but I, again, I don't want Biden Kavanaugh. No, I want no, the media no, right. to quit being such flaming hypocrites. Yeah, and treat them all the same way. Exactly. Uh, what fast food place is doing the best job with uh, keeping you safe from the COVID? Somebody texted because I was talking about the guy yesterday who had a glove on one hand as he took my card, then put it in his other bare hand, ran it through the machine, then put it back in his gloved hand to hand it oh, to boy. me through the window. That's oh, relatable. Unclear on the concept, son. That'd be me. (laughs) That's the way you'd handle it? Yeah, probably. Boss says I have to wear a glove to take your card. I'm putting a glove on it. A pug in North Carolina has tested positive for the coronavirus. Help! I'm having trouble breathing, said a pug without coronavirus. Yes, good one. Uh, As a uh, owner of two pugs, one a new puppy that we just got that is the cutest dog on planet Earth, by the way. The cutest dog on planet Earth. A pug in North Carolina named Winston. You know why? Because pugs look exactly like Winston Churchill. I bet 30 to 40% of pugs are named Winston. You put a little pepperoni in their mouth, and it's Winston Churchill giving you the speech about battling him on the beaches. I mean, it's it's exactly what it looks like. But anyway, this pug, it's the first known case in which the dog got the virus from a human. This Wow. Now the dogs have it? Because it was the tigers at the Bronx Zoo a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Now dogs? I gotta keep Baxter away from me now. Go away, go away! He keeps panting and licking me. And then so would your dog have it for 
several weeks and be contagious and could spread it back to another human, I guess, is the problem. Uh, who knows? Man, if our animal friends start getting it, because their hygiene isn't so great. He almost never washes his paws. He licks them. It's disgusting. Hey, uh, breaking news, breaking news. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds said in her state it will be considered a voluntary quit if an employee refuses to return to work once businesses reopen, thereby losing access to unemployment benefits. Uh, Texas is going to do the same thing. I'd say any state that doesn't is full on looking for a socialist people's republic. Because this is a serious, uh, it's a serious problem. Employees not wanting to come back to work, not because they're afraid of the the Chinese bat death, but um, because they're making sucks, more money man. sitting around. That's right, it work sucks, man. <laughs> That's a good point. What if you what if you make more money and you say you you don't think it's safe to come back? You'd better hire a lawyer because it's going to be a difficult argument to make. Yeah, and in my experience, the bureaucrats who handle that sort of appeal don't give a damn. <laughs> If they say, no, nah, you had to go back, and you say, but, 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 they just, they don't care. So, uh, libertarian types, exciting news. It appears as though. This is breaking news. That's right, sir. <laughs> um, Congressman <laughs> Justin. That's a good clip. This is breaking news. Thank you. Oh, wow. We have to use that in conjunction with uh, Brandon, the breaking news donkey. Yes. Presidential decree. No, yeah. Brandon, in conjunction, that means with. You're not getting replaced. You're not. You're oh. not getting furloughed, Brandon. God, he's so insecure. Well, and his, and his vocabulary is not good. Here, have a carrot. He doesn't know. This is breaking news. He doesn't know the meaning of that many words. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, we ought to play Arnold Schwarzenegger singing the uh, singing Happy Birthday to that donkey again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Arnold. Well, go ahead. What the hell? I brought it up. We have that clip. The tired routine of Arnold Schwarzenegger singing oh, happy birthday to donkeys. Is, is there a more tired routine happy than Arnold? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Lulu. Happy birthday to you. Look at this. Huh? Are we not celebrating birthday really great, huh? Sorry, the candles are unnecessary here. <laughs> Nobody does a better Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation. <laughs> Then Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Huh? Singing with the donkey birthday. at the birthday, huh? Uh, and the candles and all. Yeah, that sorts of thing. <laughs> God, what a moron. Anyway, he's not a moron. He's just a phony. So Justin Amash, the uh, libertarian congressman who just left the Republican Party, is running for... Is, hmm, it's looking like he is going to put his hat in the ring to be the... Uh, the libertarian candidate for president, and all you have to do to get that nomination what is Aleppo. So that would be an upgrade, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! Yeah. Over the mental patient Gary Johnson. Yeah, Justin Amash <laughs> is as smart as about anybody on earth. He's extremely articulate. He's forcefully. Uh, he knows what he's talking about, and he's a real libertarian. Um, and uh, they did a long, long interview uh, with him on the Dispatch a little while back. But, there's a, uh, there's a lot of Trump haters at the dispatch, and they uh, and and that crowd, uh, Justin Amash could he could do well with that crowd, right? And and at the dispatch, Trump they'd love to see, yeah, they'd love to see uh, Trump get weakened by Amash and lose because they just they want to move past Trump in the GOP, and it doesn't um, take many percentage, man. You you siphon off three four percent. Even, you know, that's, even in just a couple of states, and it makes sure. all the difference. Yeah. Well, right. They point out that Justin Amash, where is that statistic? Um, he, he won. 
he got uh, in his dist- district over 203,000 votes. Okay? Um, it was a total of about 78,000 votes uh, between Hillary and Donald in those swing states. So the guy gets out the vote. Uh, he said some really interesting things that I liked. And listen, I, I lean right. Everybody knows that. And I'm um, vastly more likely to vote for a Democrat than a Republican. The but inverse I, of that. Uh, for a Republican than a Democrat. You're right. Sorry. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like that. Remember when the reply to the State of the Union speech? First of all, you should know <laughs> I'm a Democrat, but a Republican. And I'm a Republican American Democrat. <laughs> anyway, where was I? Ah, yes. Um, so, uh, <laughs> although I lean right, I, I, I believe the GOP is, is gutless and soulless and has betrayed a lot of its principles and needs to be dragged back to them. But, uh, Amash said this, when you're in the Republican Party, like I was, there is a constant pressure to step carefully, use your words more cautiously when you're describing Republicans. So if you go on to TV, you're doing an interview, you don't necessarily want to throw the leadership under the bus at every opportunity. Maybe you throw them under the bus, criticize them one time out of three times that you should, and most members will do it like zero times out of three times. Um, and in essence, I'm looking forward to throwing them under the bus three times out of three times hmm. and call them on their bull crap. I mean, so the guy will get some votes. Yep. He's good on the mic. Okay. Well, yeah. this will be, uh, this will be interesting to follow then. Uh, which fast food place is the safest to eat? Thank you. Armstrong and Getty. A couple of bad apples uh, can make this challenge that much more difficult. For instance, we had somebody apply for unemployment for Tupac Shakur here in Kentucky. And that person probably thought they were being funny, except for the fact that because of them, We've got to go through so many other claims that one person thinking that they were funny using somebody else's identity is going to make tens of thousands, potentially, of other people wait. It's not okay. Now somebody an apology tonight. <laughs> I mentioned an individual that had filed in the name of Tupac Shakur. I didn't know, um, and it's my fault, uh, that we have a Kentuckian who goes by Malik, uh, whose name is Tupac Shakur. I talked to him on the phone today. I apologized. I told him how it happened, uh, but I owned it. It's my fault. That's the governor of Kentucky? Yes. Um, what does he mean, it's my fault? I should have known the name of every Kentuckian <laughs> off the top of my head, and I didn't. It's my I fault. I should have assumed there are multiple Tupac Shakurs running around. <laughs> I don't know, but that's pretty damn funny. <laughs> that's not funny? You've done so- I apologize. I'm sorry. I didn't. <laughs> I just love it. Ow, somebody an apology tonight. <laughs> Ow, somebody an apology. <laughs> Donald Trump has responded to Justin Amish running for president. So, Amash, so you've, Amash. Got, you've got a quote or something? Justin Amash Pitt. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, I wanted to finish up the discussion of uh, Jay Amash, a staunch libertarian. Uh, da, da, da. He said when he left the uh, Republican Party on July the 4th, The two-party system has evolved into an existential threat to American principles and institutions. 
Uh, Today I'm declaring my independence, leaving the Republican Party. No matter your circumstance, I'm asking you to join me in rejecting the partisan loyalties and rhetoric that divide and dehumanize us. I'm asking you to believe that we can do better than this two-party system and to work toward it. If we continue to take America for granted, we will lose it. Which is, you know, similar to things I've been saying for, for quite some time. Uh, great news for the Republican Party, replied President Trump. Uh, one of the dumbest and most disloyal men in Congress is quitting the party. <laughs> uh, 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 Amash. <laughs> Justice, um, Justin Amash is not he dumb. Cuts, he cuts through the clutter with not, you know, he proposed the subsidies for, no, just he's one of the dumbest people in Congress. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I exactly. He is also about the only Republican who read the Mueller report and says, yep, looks impeachable to me. So uh, Trump's still pissed off about that. Well, so Joe Walsh, who <clears throat> flirted with running against Donald Trump or did for a day and all the talk shows put him on because he is a Republican running against President, uh, President Trump. He said Justin Amash's campaign will help Trump win. Uh, he told the Washington Post. I'm not exactly sure how that works. I'd have to yeah, read into not- it. I can't do that math in my head. And Donald J. Trump also tweeted, No, I think Amash would make a wonderful candidate, especially since he's way behind in his district and has no chance of maintaining his congressional seat. He almost Hmm. always votes for the do-nothing Dems anyway. I like him even more than Jill Stein. All right. All right. I don't know if that's true I actually have his voting record in front of me, and he voted with Trump 63% of the time. But that's not 100%. But he's the dumbest. (laughs) Well, he's um, so know, dumb, he doesn't know how to vote. Is he behind in his district, though? Is he uh, Is he likely to lose? I don't have the slightest idea. I would like to dig that up. Uh, Taco Bell's the best place to go for fast food, apparently, if you're uh, if you're wanting uh, safety. I've, I've hit most of the fast food places. I have mm. not run to the border because, as you know, if you're a long-time listener, I've never eaten Taco Bell in my life. It's good, good eatings. It's but, been uh, ages, ages since I've uh, rung the bell. The, the best places, uh, like... Starbucks, you can use your app, but the best place is they stick the machine out the window. You stick your card in, nobody's swapping any virus. Right. Um, the worst place is they take the card from you, just like they did the 10 people in front of you. Hell, the 100 people in front of you took their card with their hand, touched every one of those cards, and now it's touching your card, and then it's touching your food and handing it back to you, which is not really cool. Taco Bell has the least amount of contact, says this uh, uh, fan of fast food. Between customers and employees, they extend the card reader attached to a handle. You insert your card, they read the card, then extend the reader back to you to remove the card. And then when the food is ready, they extend a tray with bags of food free to remove. So they stick the tray out with a stick. Oh, yeah. And then you Keep just away grab them me. off there. Yeah, That's a good, that's good. And that's not much effort. Hey, Burger King, McDonald's, adopt that system. No, the, it doesn't take a ton, right? Like Domino's has introduced what they're calling the pizza pedestal. Right. So they are doing contactless delivery. Um, you, you pay for it online. You don't have to have any exchange with the delivery driver. And instead of them ringing the doorbell and handing it to you, they just leave it on your doorstep. But instead of just leaving a pizza box on your doormat or whatever, they construct it out of cardboard, this little, just a tiny little pedestal that they set the pizza on. And then when you come out and grab it, it's not, you know, laying on the floor, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But or, you didn't... or wet, you know. Right. Right. Whatever. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it's just little innovations like that, I think are, Phenomenal. Yep. Well, speaking of innovations and systems we ought to adopt, uh, and, and Europe and Asia are way ahead of us on some of this stuff, but Judy was, uh, I think she was getting groceries the other day and, uh, you know, plugged her card in, took it out, and it was one of those stores that you still have to, yeah. you know, sign the plasticky yeah. thingy. I don't want to uh, touch that pen. Well, the clerk picked up the pen and just did a squiggle and said, here's your receipt. 
So at the point that we're doing that, isn't it time to get rid of the stupid whose signature is that? That doesn't oh. even look like human handwriting. The pet thing. store I go to, they do you want to do- donate a dollar to something? Question. I don't want to touch your screen. All right, quit. Quit with the dumb questions. All right. Well, and, and the sh- the public shaming donation thing, we've come out yeah. against that for years. Yeah. Stop it. So Michael Moore's got a new film out. He's usually a darling of the left, hated by the right. Well, this one the left is hating because he's taken on what he calls the phony green movement, the hypocrisy of the green movement. Oh, my gosh, really? So he's from Michigan. His very first movie that he became famous for, Roger and Me, was all about the Ford plant closing, right, in Flint, Michigan. Yep. And uh so he's he's pro automobiles and uh and auto workers and that sort of stuff. And Michael Moore has made a documentary calling out the hypocrisy of the green mo- movement particularly in regard to solar energy, electric cars and big environmental groups such as the Sierra Club. Um it cast renewables is no better than fossil fuels and environmental groups as sleek corporate outfits in bed with billionaires helping kill the planet. Hmm. Um I certainly agree with a fair amount of that. Oh, yeah, a, a, a lot of that is completely true. Um, I mean, oftentimes, you know, it, it, it's taken huge steps forward with the Tesla uh, is much more efficient. But a lot of your electric cars are just, they're coal-powered cars. because Right, the, right. and the, the uh, electricity that you're using to charge it up was made through coal and blah, blah, blah. And the wind and solar thing will never, ever be oh. useful until we have... Like, it's such a leap forward in batteries, like, from the horse to the uh, Apollo mission. I mean, that big a leap forward, partly because batteries and all of the material used to make them, or a lot of the materials, are incredibly toxic. Yeah, but yeah, the whole wind thing, way overblown. Oh, that's a joke. The wind thing is a joke. Uh, Al Gore's a big target. The film goes after green heavyweights, including Bill McKibben, a co-founder of 350.org. I don't know who that is. It also no. lays into Al Gore, suggesting that his famous and inconvenient truth documentary might have been time to help Gore's green investments as he became a gazillionaire out of that. Hundred percent. So they're suggesting that it's clear. So look to see Michael Moore on Fox and uh, being attacked by MSNBC is the way things work. So. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll actually watch that. Yeah. Coming to a Netflix near you, I'm sure. Um, and also this article, busy parents juggling work, chores, and children not getting a chance to relax until 8.39 p.m., according to a new study, which is later than normal, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm glad this is starting to bubble up as a story. Those of us who are parents of children who are, who are doing uh, uh, school online and everything else, this whole, hey, here's something you can do, a hot new Netflix show, I don't have time to wash myself. I'm not going to binge watch the hot new Netflix series, all right? Um, <laughs> right. So, so there's, you know, there's two different crowds out there. And it's not everybody staying home, just bored to death, going stir crazy. No, that's not the problem. Um, uh, surveyed thousands of moms and dads, and they're getting le- to bed later than they ever have before with all the things they're trying to keep up with. Yeah. California announced yesterday, by the way, uh, if you haven't heard that, that, that they think there's, they might be starting school up in July which came as a shock to teachers, school districts, and parents. Ooh, okay. We're going to we got a little little time to plan. Yeah. 
uh, there are some uh, San Diego school officials that are talking about what school will look like going forward, and it won't be like the old days. Maybe never again. It's hard to say. I don't want to get caught up in that crap, because I remember after 9-11, people were making these bold, sweeping pronouncements about how everything will change forever, and amen, and there will be no more jokes, and we'll all cry the rest of our lives. And just <laughs> overly dramatic crap. We'll all um, cry the rest of our lives. I mean, it was just so over the top, and I don't want to get caught up in that, because if we come up with a really effective vaccine, say, you know, 6, 8, 12, 15 months from now, and treatments, if the vaccine, it will be fine. It, it will, everything will be the same. Uh, but there are school officials who are saying, all right, number one, we probably ought to be better at this stuff, and number two... The reason we're doing the stuff the old way doesn't make sense anyway. Well, we, So like, there could be permanent changes. For instance, and I hope this is true, we got off a, a Zoom call with a client yesterday, and Joe was at home, and Sean and I were here, and then there were different people at various locations. And I got off that, and I, and I said to Sean, why would we ever all drive to one place again mm. for meetings like this? And he said, we won't. I hope that's true. You know, I, I would have liked, it was actually, it was a very good meeting and went well um, in, in every way. I'd like that first one to be in person, just just because the the animal in me needs to see somebody in three dimensions and just be in the same space with them. I think that's important, but I'm absolutely with you. It'll cut down, I don't know, 80% of meetings, uh, in-person meetings. I mean, the fourth time I get together with a guy to discuss business or what have you, I don't need to be in the same room. Absolutely not. Why would I go to the bank to talk to the loan officer, drive to the bank, park, walk in, sit there? Why would I do that and not Zoom that? Right. For instance. There's all right. kinds of for instances. The, 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 the parent-teacher conference, maybe. There's all kinds of them. Why are we all driving around to this Are they going to send a child's desk to your home so you can sit <laughs> in that during the parent-teacher Zoom and, call? And feel child? demeaned. Demeaned. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there are a thousand examples. I'll bet everybody's thinking of them right now. Why am I physically here? <laughs> this is silly. <laughs> and uh, surely the green types would be pushing for that, much less driving around. Right. And then you have the opportunity to scan and send and, and sign electronically and the rest of it, uh, which reminds me, I was thinking about this the other day. I actually had to fax something. If your business, no matter what it is, is set up so that people have to fax stuff, I want you to know one thing. Everybody hates you. <laughs> Everybody hates you with a burning hatred that will never stop hating. <laughs> Scan and e- facts. Are you kidding me? All right. We're all going to we're all going to cry for the rest of our lives. So some of the ways uh education might change for good, we'll touch on that uh in a couple of minutes. Uh, let's see. College football's trying to decide what the hell to do. So is everybody. Uh, maybe oh, no I've, fans. I've, I've spring in, season. I've got to get into this article in the Atlantic about uh, change in free speech rules. That's oh, yeah, uh, pretty that's, that's a priority. Now, I yeah. got to talk about it because I spent like an hour reading the damn thing. Their articles are too long. All right, I'll get out of the way. We'll but, do it next. Uh, that among other things on the way. Armstrong and Getty. Fifteen ASD. The Armstrong and Getty Show. How do you do 
of the fact that Facebook is now being used to organize a lot of these protests to defy social distancing, defy the social distancing guidelines in states. Is somebody trying to organize something like that? Does that qualify as harmful? information we do classify that as harmful misinformation and we take that down harmful misinformation that is a phrase familiar to anyone who has watched totalitarian regimes in any country it's now how mark zuckerberg describes political opinions he doesn't like so that was from a couple of weeks ago when uh, zuckerberg the guy who runs facebook was on with george stephanopoulos and talking about facebook not allowing people to advertise their protests against the government because mm-hmm. there's harmful misinformation in there. And Tucker referenced this article in the the current issue of The Atlantic, and any article in The Atlantic is like reading a book, but the article is called Internet Speech Will Never Go Back to Normal, highlighting in the great debate of the past two decades about freedom versus control of the network, China was largely right and the United States was largely wrong, The Atlantic writes. Significant monitoring speech control are inevitable components of a mature and flourishing Internet, and governments must play a role in these practices to ensure that the Internet is compatible with the society's norms and values. Holy crap! And who gets to decide those norms and values that the, the Internet needs to be compatible with? Who, who wrote that article? Joseph Stalin? Uh, Jack Goldsmith, who's a Harvard Law School professor, and Andrew Keen Woods, who's a professor at the University of Arizona College of Law. Boy, I hear a Harvard Law professor, and I don't go to respect. I go to, oh, way left ideological crackpot. Well, yeah, we had that Harvard Law professor last week that was horrified by the idea of parents being in control of their kids. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, how about that? I'll read that again. Uh, China was largely right, and the United States was largely wrong in handling the Internet. Significant monitoring and speech control are inevitable components of a mature and flourishing Internet. And governments must play a large role in these practices to ensure that the Internet is compatible with a society's norms and values. Great, Scott. I think I just heard Tim Sandifer's head explode somewhere. Wow. That's, that is one of the most repugnant things I have ever heard. How are you a law professor and you're willing to overlook that, you know, somebody's going to be in charge sometime? That doesn't agree with your norms and values. Well, that, and they're well, not going to allow you to say what you want to say. That guy needs to move to China. He needs to go there immediately because the kind of uh, workers' utopia you're looking for exists there, friend. Uh, go they, they, and, they, and, and never return. They go on in this long piece that uh, the, the current design raises far too many barriers to effectively tracking infections. In other words, you can't track human beings easily enough the way the, we, the current laws we have or our, <laughs> or our attitudes. Even some ordinarily privacy-loving European governments seem to agree with the need to ease restrictions for the sake of public health. But the extent to which the platforms will accommodate these concerns remains unclear. This is the final paragraph. We're about to find out how this trade-off will be managed in the United States. The surveillance and speech control responses to COVID-19 and the private sector's collaboration with the government in these efforts are a historic and very public... are a historic and very public experiment about how our constitutional culture will adjust to a digital future. But as they advocated in the middle of the piece, they they think that a mature society, I love that term, a mature, you know, wiser, more developed society than ours, like China's, uh, understands that the Internet needs to reflect society's norms. So you have to have rules for that. Boy, that's sort of just towering elitism. 
and belief that we are so wise. We can manage all of your pathetic little lives. I swear to God, that makes me want to take up arms hearing talk like that. And it obviously that that would be better than the free for free for all of whatever information flying back and forth on the Internet. Right. The animated no, contest of freedom. No society could handle that. No, no, a mature society must be pre-planned, centrally planned from Harvard. So you could send your kid to Harvard at great expense, assuming your kid's like, you know, a smart kid and you just didn't fake up the whole rowing thing. Right. You send your kid to Harvard Law School. Which would be my plan. You send your kid to Harvard Law School and you're going to have the one teacher that believes it's just scary that parents raise their kids. And this guy who believes that the Internet needs to clamp down on, uh, on on various things to make sure it reflects uh, society's norms. Well, and that government must take the lead role in deciding which ideas can be heard and read. Holy S! Yeah, and they kept using the example of uh, the great job they've done in trying to eliminate child porn. Okay, eliminating child porn. We're all in agreement on that. How about when right. we get to more thorny issues of uh, political attitudes on what's allowed? Yeah, that's that's a ridiculous example. Child porn is not a political thought. Great, Scott, it is the, the yeah. The fact that there are people who believe that is disturbing to me, but I can get past it. The fact that there are law professors at Harvard pitching that ought to scare the hell out of you. I was just uh, reading an editorial about how uh, colleges and universities are threatened by this uh, COVID thing and how terrible that is, and their employers, and they provide spending in the community. And I was thinking, you bloated, hypocritic, <laughs> hypocritical fakes. I tell you what, that Harvard guy, I'm about to go militant on this. Yeah, that's something. I'm going to be one of those one-man lunatic marches, just marching up and down in front of my local <laughs> university, demanding they close. They'll probably give me a jaunty nickname. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty.